With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's me, that recipe you keep wanting to make in quarantine. I know that I might seem very daunting, but I believe in your ability to cook slash bake me. And you know what will help you? If while you're doing so, you listen to an episode of this podcast. Before continuing my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, we're taking a little bit of a break before we do our next Potterless donation duel. But if you want to still support a good cause in a Potterless fashion, you can do so because Potterless listener and the artist for meddling adults, Mayan Atias, has an Etsy store where she makes custom jewelry, and she has made a line of wizard on jewelry from earrings to necklaces to bracelets, and all the proceeds from these sales are going to HIV AIDS research. So if you want to see this jewelry and think about getting it and raising money for charity along the way, just go to Potterless on Twitter or Instagram. I posted about it on both of those accounts. And thanks my for putting this together. And I'm also very excited to announce that almost every single episode of Potterless now has a transcript up on our website. If you go to the individual episode pages at potterlesspodcast.com, the transcript will be there under the little MP3 player. And I just wanted to thank Kelly for hunkering down and putting a bunch of those on the website, as well as Kritzia, our transcriptor, for putting all of those together. So this is long overdue, but I'm very excited for the podcast to be more accessible. And finally, of course, we have a bunch of new patrons to welcome to the team, so I wanted to thank all of them. So shout out to Jerry Mitchell, Chloe. Chloe Laverson, Mackenzie Donnelly, Malin Eliason, Annabelle Bielenberg, Broadway Nerd, Jennifer Spencer, Olivia and Corey Patterson, Laura Libera, Hermione, Kristen English, Gabby W, Nicole Abbey, Lisa19115, Leah Schmidt, Sophie Wachter, and the return of Ashley Lynn. Shout out to Wendy and Kylie Sears who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our new producer-level patrons Gregory Hughes, Krista Lee, and Holly Moran. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Summer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Courtney, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Yarl, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Rees, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, Tyrone, Money, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, GK, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Boney, Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Bluefish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Laurel, Rossanne, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya, Yogan, Darcy, Richard, Sandra, Craig, Andren, K, Steve, Lior, Angela, Julia, Demi, Kelsey, Michael, Danae, Michelle, Calista, Kringle, Lovekesh, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrika, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerrica, Michelle, Casey, Megan, A Thousand, Sat, Serenity, Jack, Sophia, Matthew, Dane, Rochelle, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Aaron, Biatch, Elaria, Liam, Lori, Steamed Nuggets, and Carrot Eye Potter, who never click on the wrong space when they're playing Settlers of Catan online, making a very silly move by accident. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 132 of Potterless, covering the second part of Act 1 of a very Potter sequel, guest starring Tessa Netting.
Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He got to it later on, and now he's doing some other stuff that's beyond the canon world. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and I'm here today, joined again by Harry Potter YouTuber, podcaster, wonderful human being, Tessa Netting. Tessa, how's it going? Hello! I am excited to be back on this podcast talking about the ridiculousness of the Harry Potter musicals, specifically the sequel. Yes, it's been literal minutes since we've talked <laughs> about it last. Yes, it has. <laughs> In the real world, people have waited a week, but we've oh, waited wow. just as long as it took me to refill my glass of water. Magic. But now we have more of Act One to discuss. Yes, ooh, the magic of podcasting. Ooh. So <laughs> we're going to be covering the rest of Act One in today's episode, and it starts right off the bat with your boy Snape talking about Hogsmeade with a line that I thought was hilarious, which is, students without permission slips will be killed. No, you just can't go, but it'll be a whole lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that was a good Snape. Can I hear your Snape? Oh, yeah, uh, yes. I gotta say, it's I hard. can't do it at all. It's like he's a prim and proper fancy boy. Yes. Where he's like, students without permission slips will be killed. Oh! No, you just can't go. But it'll be a whole lot of fun. <gasps> Can you say that's absurd? That's absurd. Yes! Oh, and you can't I see it, it, but I have gritted teeth the entire time. <laughs> you have to. Because I think the key is that you don't actually open your mouth. <laughs> Yep, yep. It's a very it's specific facial. Talking. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I have uh, an amazing story right off the bat yes. about Alan Rickman. Oh, yes. And it's about, that's absurd. Okay, so I watched Alan Rickman on Broadway. He was in some sort of play. I can't remember the play, but he- Spider-Man <laughs> fighting. <laughs> oh my God. No, he was not in Spider-Man. But he was in some incredible play. I can't remember the name of it. So after I went out to the stage door because obviously I just wanted to talk to him. I didn't even want to like get an autograph. I just wanted to see him and talk to him. I was also just like, you know, this little child. I was annoying. I, I was on Broadway. So I just had like all of the courage in the world. I had there's nothing holding me back from talking to Alan Rickman. Looking back, I'm like cringing at myself, but I couldn't help it. So I saw him and I just like, I'm this little tiny little thing and I go up and I'm like, hello, hello. And he looks over at me and he goes, hello. <laughs> and and I go, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, your voice is just amazing. And he looks at me and he goes, I was born with it. <laughs> and then- I go, can you say that's absurd? And he looks at me because it was right around when I had just watched like this for the first time. And he looks at me and he smiles and he winks and he goes, no. <laughs> so he saw it. That I don't know. I literally, I have no idea if he knew what I was talking about, but he winked at me and he like smiled at me and he was like so amused and it made my entire life like literally him being like I was born with it and just like that's so funny it was the best like again talk about an incredible person that I am just uh it was so I just had to mention that because when thinking about that's absurd I just think about that beautiful Alan Rickman interaction that I was the most annoying person in the world and he was just so nice to me like the fact that these people can just be such nice and incredible people all of the actors that I've met from Harry Potter just the nicest people ever. Yes, yes. They're all incredibly nice. I don't know how they did it. And I 
love that he says I was born with it because <laughs> I have a deep voice and I am glad that I that it, people think it sounds nice. And yeah. it's strange when people say, oh, you have such a nice voice because it's not like I sang and I actually worked on it. I've done <laughs> nothing. I did literally nothing except be born to have this voice. So yeah, usually when people tell me, oh, you have such a nice voice, I go, thank you, I've worked very hard on it. <laughs> You're like, thank you, I thank hope you. people know I'm kidding when I say that because I've done literally nothing. But I'm glad that now it has come to use because early in my life, I was just a kid with a deep voice. So ah. when telemarketers would call the landline, it, people would think that I was my mother because it would be like, oh. No way. Yeah, because it was like my voice is deep enough where I didn't sound like a kid, but mm. not deep enough to be the dad. So they'd be they, there would always be a pause and then they'd be like, Mrs. Schubert? Uh, and then I have to be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> then I had a run in high school where my friend's moms would be like, you should work in radio. And I Whoa. would say, I don't want to be a disc jockey, Mrs. Thompson. Because I don't know. I don't have a desire for that. So who would have known that after being an engineer for my real job, then I would become a professional talker. Here See? I am. See, it was meant to be. And you can just say when people ask you, just say, I was born with it. That's what Alan Rickman yeah. said. I can do it in honor of Alan Rickman. Exactly. Oh my gosh, I love this for you. <laughs> I always felt so bad about the deep voice because like I can't sing at all. Like not at all. But not dude, you have a great voice. My voice Thank is annoying you. as hell. Are you no, kidding me? I had a chipmunk stop. voice growing up. It <laughs> it was unbearable, my poor mother. It's like, I'd much rather have it be the other way. I always felt bad because I had this voice and everyone's like, I bet you're a really good bass singer. And then it would make me feel bad. Like, oh, I probably should have learned how to do that. You're like, dang it. But I never did. Uh, missed opportunity. That's okay. Now it's being used. It's being used in the best way. Mm -hmm. I hope all of my friends' moms who told me to be in radio know that I'm in podcasting. So then they can ask me, what's podcasting? And I'll be like, it's kind of like radio, but you download it. Anyway, Harry Potter. Anyway, so yes. <laughs> you've got some more Malfoy potty jokes. They just keep on coming. Yep. And then we have Umbridge checking the permission slips. And there is a very funny line here where Harry comes up, he does not have his permission slip, and Umbridge doesn't let him go, and then mockingly goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize in the presence of royalty. But Harry doesn't get it and just goes, it's okay, which is... <laughs> The crowd did not laugh enough. That line was fucking hilarious. And I am so upset at the audience for not losing their shit over it. It was so good. It was. It's just simple. The simpleness of it is just great. So then something happened with Umbridge that confused me, and then I thought about it more, and then I realized it was 2010, is that the way in which Umbridge talks was a little bit like the Ermagerd meme. Yes. And then... The way they laugh also is like a dirt, dirt, dur, which was similar to those, I don't even, the meme, like, mm -hmm. what are they even called? The, 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 I forget oh, what they're called. Uh, There's like the, the colors in the background and there was like philosophy raptor oh, and crap. the I know kid with the about. fist. And they have like the diagonal lines of all the different colors. Like whatever those memes are, <laughs> things that just dominated r slash funny forever. The OG memes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, it's Editing Mike. Just wanted to pop in real quick to say that what Pass Mike was trying to remember the name of was Advice Animals. Ah, yes. The memes of old. Anyway, back to the podcast. It just felt like that is what shaped the character of Umbridge or at least the voice and stuff. I don't know too much about Umbridge. You'd have to ask Joe Walker like where he kind of got that from, but it is very much that sort of vibe, so I understand why you would think that because it is very much like mm -hmm. a dur 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 dur. It's like that kind of 
2010. Yeah. Irma Gerd, you Yeah. Lots of things in 2010 not cool anymore. I'm glad that we've learned, though. Hey, at least we're, like, progressing. Right. It's very true. And that's why I think it's important to do this. Is We still have elements of a very Potter musical and a very Potter sequel, but yes. we're not going to shy away from the fact that some things are big yikes moments. Yeah, big yikes, big uncomfortable, big, like, watching back, being like, nah, 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 don't like that. Mm-mm. So Draco and Harry are left behind. Harry then leaves, and it's just Draco writing a letter to Lucius in crayon, wondering (laughs) where the permission slip is, and then lying about Hogwarts actually going really well. And I did appreciate that Lauren Lopez does not actually draw words. It's just big scribble shapes like she's a (laughs) three-year-old. Oh, it makes me feel so bad for Draco. I can't. That's what I mean. This this musical makes me feel so bad for the characters. Yes. This is the kind of dark humor that I could stomach a little bit more because it's less gross. I think why I like this joke better than the Hermione one is that calling Hermione ugly and fat and all that kind of stuff feels rooted in misogyny. Right. Whereas Draco having this father that over the top doesn't like him feels less rooted in reality. So it's easier for me to laugh at it. Yes, there are still people who are bad parents out there that don't care about their children. Mm -hmm. But I feel like misogyny is much more prevalent and was part of quote unquote funny jokes for a long time. So I think this one stomachs a little better. But yeah, I get it. It is sad. Yeah. And actually the misogyny like tones down in senior year. Yay. So that's one thing. But yes, they're nicer to Hermione. So it, it will happen. Good. Yeah. Because again, they're looking back and being like, oh, crap. <laughs> we treated Hermione like shit. Like, oh, it's like, we don't like that we did that. And that's like, I think that's a big reason why Starkid hasn't put on the musicals again. Because a lot of people are like, why don't you just do it? Well, I mean, other than the fact that it's like, you know, property that doesn't belong to them. But still, they don't feel comfortable doing these jokes. Because a lot of them are jokes that, played in 2010, but now it's like, we don't want to say these jokes. Yeah, and a lot of artists come to that realization and stop doing it. Uh, Paramore doesn't sing Misery Business anymore because it's a song about woman hating. And yes, that song slaps harder than almost anything in the world, but they realized it's not great and hasn't aged well and they stopped singing it. Yeah. So Lupin comes in and gives Harry the Marauders map. Yes. And after this happens, Snape comes in and goes, Hey Lupin, want to come look at the full moon with me? (laughs) Ha ha, zombie. (laughs) So throughout the musical, they just keep referencing Lupin like these random mythical creatures. Like they call him a zombie. It's so so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) It's great. Like, and they didn't know like what they would say. They would just say whatever sort of like thing was in their head. Oh, that's even better. That's even better. So one thing I wanted to mention is that like, Some of the lines were improvised, but many of these lines weren't improvised at all. Like they were really specific. Um, Just like the beats and how they were playing the characters was sort of like the actor's like interpretation. But a lot of the, because people ask like, is it improvised? Is it not improvised? Like most of it isn't improvised, but there are little things like here and there that they would sort of like, you know, tuck in and see if it would be funny. And I'm sure that they tried things out. And then on the day of recording, they're like, okay. This is what we're doing. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. So Lupin then warns Harry of the Shrieking Shack, says, stay out of there. I'm a werewolf in there. And Harry's like, what? (laughs) And that's the end of that. So the kids go to Hogsmeade. Umbridge is alone. And then Dumbledore enters. Yes. And 
Then there's the the letter, and it's from Big D, and Dumbledore enters, and he says the D stands for my wiener. And then they break into song. And I, at first, enjoyed the vibe of the song, and I thought that the singing was good. The dynamic between them felt a little off, especially because it's very well established that Dumbledore is gay and is very much played like a gay man in these plays. So this felt a little weird. And then, unfortunately, what you learn over the course of the song is that the reason Dumbledore is kind of sweetening up to Umbridge is because he's convinced that Umbridge is actually a man. He even goes as far as to call Umbridge Mr. Umbridge, and then all Umbridge does is shrug. I don't know. I I I felt a little uneasy at the beginning of the song, and then as it went, I only felt worse. Yeah, Um. so... An interesting thing, Star Kids, a group of them, three of them actually, created this group called the Tin Can Brothers, and it was uh, Joey Richter, Brian Rosenthal, and Corey Lubowicz. And so they've made their own musicals and creations outside of Star Kid, and they did this musical called Spies Are Forever. And I was actually in that musical, and oh, I cool. played Barb, a scientist character, and their main character, Kurt, is gay, but like the characters don't know that he's gay, just the the audience like knows. And my character is like in love with Kurt, but not knowing that Kurt is gay. But it's played in such a way that isn't tricky or isn't, it's like innocent in a way. And so it doesn't feel like it's manipulative in any way. And I think that's the difference between like spies and that relationship and this relationship with Umbridge and Dumbledore is that it feels like from both sides that it's very like weirdly manipulative. And so that is what makes it like super uncomfortable because it's like, yeah, it's supposed to be this misunderstanding, but because it's not done in like an innocent way or it's never established or it's like, It just feels weird and you feel bad about it, you know? Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the head there that there is a manipulation element to it and that just doesn't feel good and it feels like he has bad intentions and then consent in there. There's just a lot of uncomfortable elements that all contribute to it. And we've talked about this in the last episode and I know at least Nick from Starkid has apologized. So I think- we can move on. We've discussed what we've discussed here, but I just, yeah, the song didn't feel great. Yeah, and I don't think that they sing that song anymore. I don't think so, but... um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The kids are going to go to the Shrieking Shack, and it turns into a dare situation with Hermione and Cho, where Hermione says that she's going to go in to try to stand up to Cho, who's bullying her a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when Ron asks her why she's going to do it, Hermione says, maybe it'll prove someone in the school cares if I live or die. And then Ron says, I wouldn't count on it, which is really sad. It really is. I think that's really specifically supposed to be that sort of like troll moment that pushes Hermione like into the bathroom, like that whole kind of vibe. But obviously they they had to do it in this sort of world that they've already set up. And it's interesting because this musical is a, has a lot of like the third book movie elements in it, like with the time turner and Lupin. And they're really like harping in on the third one because like the first one is a lot of the fourth, isn't it? It has a lot of like- Yeah, the first one is like every book that isn't three and five. Right. So then in this one, they went, aha. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. We've got two books of content we did not touch on. Let's do those two for the sequel. Right. And they also put in like some of the first book too because it's like them meeting for the first time and all of those kind of like elements. You feel bad. I just, oh, Hermione. So bad. And Bonnie is just like such a great Hermione and she plays her just like so earnestly that you you just feel so bad for her. She does a good job of making you feel bad, which is a credit to her acting. And it's ridiculous because like a lot of people love Hermione. Like Hermione is a lot of people's favorite characters. So it like, Starkid like took a risk, like really dunking on Hermione like a lot, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> so Harry then goes to save Hermione and brings Ron. And when they're looking for her in the shack, they start trying to call out for Hermione, and they're saying all these incorrect pronunciations of her name, which I enjoyed because it was more than just what had been happening up to this point, which is everyone calling her Herman, Yeah. which I didn't like because it's a dude's name, and I'm afraid that it is going to them calling her a dude's name because they think she's ugly, et cetera. But when they're doing things like calling her Hermanana or Hermano or all these other things— that are just obnoxious, like hermononucleosis, <laughs> all of these things that are over-the-top mispronunciations. I thought that was funny. I love so that. So that was good. I love those types of jokes. So then the werewolf Lupin enters the scene and <laughs> the squad screams, it's a, it's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so obviously a werewolf. <laughs> Painfully obviously a werewolf. Yeah. So Harry then goes to get his wand out of his bag and Crookshanks is in there again, which is great. Throws it, the glass shatters again, love it. So they run away into the Forbidden Forest and Ron has such a great line where he goes, we're going from the scariest place in the world to the scariest place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So then when they're there, you have Harry telling Hermione not to try to pretend to be someone that she's not. And then she goes, yeah, but look at you, you're so cool. And he goes, yes, but in the muggle world, I'm something called a douchebag. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he's more of a douchebag in the wizarding world, I think. But <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. I like that what they've done for the character here of Harry is oh, that yeah. he is not afraid to address that they're very much playing up that Harry's a jerk, and I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And he even gets into specifics where he says, I bust out my guitar when people just want to hang out, which is the worst thing, and I hate it when <laughs> people Wonderwall. did that in college so much. It's such, it's one of those tropes that is painfully so accurate. It is. That we all knew that person in college who would bust out a guitar at parties, and just no one, just don't. No one ever wants that and ever. And Darren was that person. He was uh, that person. Oh, uh, I'm not surprised. And then he goes on and he says, I make weird covers of Disney songs. I'm assuming like Darren Chris did that because everybody laughed Darren and I was did like, that, that must have been did. a Darren Chris thing. No, it was like a known thing. He made like specific Disney covers on his guitar, like acoustic Disney covers and put them on YouTube and people watched them and it was like a thing. So he was like making fun of that. Nice, nice. Good to be able to laugh at yourself. Oh, yeah. But I also hope that he is not a douchebag anymore. Oh, he, Darren is the most lovable person Yay. ever. He oh, is, you love like, to hear it. the fame that he has gotten has not changed him at all. He is the same lovable person as he always was. That's very good. That's very good. Ron also admits that he is a bit of a douchebag, so I appreciate him coming to grips with that as well. Yeah. The werewolf is back, and this is the first time you really get to see the werewolf clearly, and the props are really solid, much like the dragon from the first one, the prop department, really on top of their game. Yeah, I, uh, I think that, again, was like Nick Lang and some other people because he like created specific puppets. Okay. Puppets was specifically his thing. And before 
I don't know if it was right before this musical, but they did a Lord of the Rings oh. um, musical that is not on the internet. Ooh. But they made like this Gollum puppet that was so intricate and so like specific. And then if you watch um, Starship, which is another one of the Starkin musicals, the puppets in that are unreal. It's like they took this and took it to the next level. It's like Avenue Q level like puppets. Like it's a part of the entire production and like the main character is a puppet and he's a puppet the whole time. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, the work they did was really solid. I was very impressed by the werewolf here. So he is back and then Ferenz comes to save them and it's very unicorn interpretation. White pants, long flowing blonde hair, a little unicorn tail sticking out of the seat of the pants. I loved it. Oh yeah, the little like... Because Jim is just so freaking tall and massive and that he has this like tiny little <laughs> unicorn butt is just so funny. Very clearly and a it's... stuffed animal they cut in half, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I also love that at one point Ron sneaks up behind Ferenz and pets his back <laughs> and Ferenz just makes this pure euphoric face of satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's really good. So then Ferenz says that centaurs, and they always pronounce it centaurs, which is ridiculous, says that they are a dying breed because there's no females left and there's no humans strong enough to survive coitus. I felt like this was a strange out of left field comment to make, but then it comes into play later in act two, and we'll get to that later. Yes. So that scene ends and the Quidditch match begins. And you see Lupin wearing only his underwear, covered in blood splatters, <laughs> surrounded by a slaughtered doe. And I thought this was fantastic. <laughs> this is what I mean about like the cringe factor of Lupin is yes. just so astronomical in this moment because he is just in his underwear. <laughs> Just completely covered in blood. And that's just so funny because, of course, he would do that. Like, mm -hmm. after he changes, like, if you actually think about it, you're like, yeah, he would end up like that at some point. <laughs> oh, God. It's so cringy. It's, it's wonderful. so funny. And then again, he's like, he's like, who looks stupid now? You do. <laughs> So Rita Skeeter is there trying to interview him about it. Lupin tries to deny it. Does not work at all. And then we get to a scene where Dumbledore is telling Snape about hooking up with Umbridge and then being surprised that Umbridge was actually a woman. And then he disapparated out of there once he realized this. Again, didn't feel great about it. Nope. Snape says that Dumbledore needs to address it. It can't be like when he made out with Grubbly Plank and then she got all clingy, which I think is a fun little pairing I did not anticipate. Fun little ship there. Uh, but then Dumbledore says it'll blow over just like that time I didn't expel Tom Riddle. Everything was fine. Oh, man. Dumbledore. You need to come up with other ways to do things. You gotta be direct, but that's Dumbledore. He's never direct. He honestly isn't, so <laughs> that is canon. It truly, it really is. So then there's the beginning of the bit, which is that Umbridge is a 
clingy text type person, which yes. I can totally understand. That was such a 2009, 2010 thing of yes. texting someone multiple times because it was a thing where sometimes text messages wouldn't go through. Mm-hmm. So if someone didn't reply. There's always the worry of like, did my message not actually go through? There was something that I never had a BlackBerry, but Snape, I think, says it's a BBM from Umbridge. Is that a BlackBerry message? This felt very dated for me. I didn't have a phone uh, until I was in eighth grade. I did have a BlackBerry, but I do not remember if okay. it's called something specific. Okay. I, I don't know. I really don't know if that's like a, I, I don't All know. All the BlackBerry stands out there are going to send me hate mail and be like, obviously, oh, BBM is a superior SMS service. It was just bought out by WhatsApp, you know. <laughs> So, so Umbridge enters all lovey-dovey towards Dumbledore. Dumbledore says that he doesn't love her. Umbridge starts to cry, calls herself a chubby little fuck, not a fan of this. But then Umbridge vows for vengeance, and this sets up Umbridge becoming a villain, which at least makes a little more sense because she had not really been a villain up until this point, and I was interested to see how they made her so. So she's trying to come after Dumbledore and for his job. That's what's setting her up. Right, and it's kind of like, you know, like an Incredible Hulk type thing where it's like, ooh, like Umbridge smash. (laughs) So then Lucius enters and has a scene with Snape, and Lucius has brought a bunch of replacement Quidditch players, and they're all (laughs) Death Eaters that time traveled back with him. So Draco then enters with a potty drawing for Lucius, like this very proud drawing of, look, I used the potty properly. (laughs) Lucius, this whole scene is incredibly prance-heavy, Dance heavy, spin heavy, toe tap heavy. I am so here for it. Anytime we're talking about the over theatrics of the Slytherin characters, especially, I absolutely adore it. Lucius, when he is just being so overly dramatic and dancing, especially in front of Draco, it's specifically to show him, like, this is how you're supposed to be, son. This is how you're supposed to dance, like, dance with (laughs) me. And then Draco just can't do it because he tries so hard, but then he falls. So then the scene ends with Draco trying to start a song again and then it immediately fading to black, which was a bit I loved from the first place. I'm glad it made its way into the sequel as well. Oh, Pass Mike, I'm glad you love that. You know what I love? Doing this for a living. And if we're going to keep that going, we got to take a little bit of a break for Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Shaker and Spoon. Let's say hypothetically that you are Harry Potter and you are unable to go to Hogsmeade and drink with all of your friends. So you're going to have to have your own drinks delivered directly to you on your own. How are you going to do this? You're going to do it with Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon sends you a box of all of the ingredients and the instructions to make four servings of three different drinks all using the same liquor. All you need to do is buy the booze, they provide everything else, and you can learn how to make some really fancy and delicious cocktails through them. I've done boxes with them for a lot of different liquors. I've used these recipes in my future life for looking fancy, whether it is at a party or recently. I made margaritas that I learned how to make from an old shaker and spoon box for my parents now that I'm hanging out with Barb and Joel for the month. And let me tell you, it went over really well and they thought I was a very fancy boy. Look at me, big old 28-year-old boy who can make cocktails. Woo, thanks shaker and spoon. So if you want to be a fancy person like I am, you can go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizard on and you will get $20 off your first box. The box is run between $40 and $50, so that's about 50% off, which is pretty sweet. So go to shakerandspoon.com slash wizard on, get $20 off your first box, and start making some drinks, because who needs butterbeer anyway today? 
And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch cool stuff you can do with arena club including their slab packs if you have ever done any sort of card collecting you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card but what's nice about the slab packs with arena club is that you have full transparency you see what available cards are there what your percentage of getting them is what the gradings are so it is not a complete black box you're going into this knowing what cards you might get and i've been using arena club and it's pretty cool it's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Then we have the actual Quidditch scene itself. The song I thought was actually really fun. The music is great. The choreography, really solid. When they are about to play Quidditch, like the head-to-head hype up before the match begins. I thought it was a very fun song. Then the Quidditch itself begins. And I I just feel like playing sports never really works in a play. So I was not super keen onto this. I mean, especially when you can't fly. Right, it's like, yeah. what are you gonna do? They're just like walking <laughs> with brooms either next to their legs or in between their legs. They try. They don't even throw the quaffle that much. They kind of just place it through the ring. It, it was not my favorite moment. For sure. I mean, it's like, what else can you do, though? Right. It's like in a production like this to keep it just in some way orderly. If you were like throwing a ball all around, right. I feel like it would just be chaos. So. I mean, I guess you could also just not write Quidditch to be in the plot is the real solution <laughs> is just don't write it in. I feel like they felt like they had to do it, though. Yeah. It's such a huge part of like the books and of the movies, the you movies, know, like sure. even in the movies, they did it. So it's like they had to at least try something, make an attempt. Even if if even if it was bad, that's kind of like the joke is like, look how ridiculous like this sport is. Like yeah. 
what? Makes sense. You got you can't just ignore it. So then we have a scene of Lucius intercepting a package from Hedwig for Harry. And it's very clearly a broom just by the shape of the package. But then Hermione comes in and Lucius is trying to stand up to her and not give over the package. She does her trademark jelly legs curse. He falls over and then she runs off with the package. What I noticed at this point is that it carried over from the Quidditch song, but someone is clapping to go along in the background. I don't know if this is from the orchestra or whatever, but oh. it goes on like clapping to the beat, goes on for like five minutes. <laughs> I did not notice that, oh man. It just keeps going and then eventually later on they go back in and finish the song, I guess, but huh. you really could have stopped clapping. <laughs> Because there's like just Maybe dialogue. Maybe that was like an audience thing? I, I don't know. know. Someone, someone was clapping <laughs> and bless their soul, they kept it up, but uh, it was awkward. One thing that I wish that Starkid would have done like with that sort of broomstick joke is I wish they would have brought back the puppy joke like that they did like, oh, it's a puppy, it's a puppy when it was like obviously not a puppy. It was obviously a broomstick because it's again like he obviously has a broomstick, but it's like if when she's like, what is that? He could have been like, it's a puppy. <laughs> would have been good. It would have been good. So Hermione then comes in and delivers the fireball to Harry at halftime. And when Harry gets the fireball, all of the other Wizards are very excited, and they are talking about the firebolt, and they say, quote, even wizard God himself can't follow. <laughs> so that is, again, another, like, star kid joke that they use in almost every musical. They reference some sort of God, like they have a duck God, they have, like, dead God. Yes, yeah. they go there. It's good. Of course, in the Harry Potter universe, they have to have wizard God. Makes sense, makes sense. Then something I thought really funny, and this could just be because I played a lot of sports growing up, is that Lupin just goes, team cheer on three, and then they say one, two, three, and then they all say something different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Michelle, that is so good. I love one, two, three jokes. When I did improv in Seattle, I did a sports-themed oh improv show gosh. called Comedy Sports, which was like, whose line, but if the points mattered, there was a scoreboard, there was a referee. It was very fun. I loved doing wow. it. And when I was the team captain, you get to decide what your say something on the count of three is. And what I would always do for my teams would be, I would put our hands in the middle and I'd say, okay, let's say four on three so that you go one, two, three, four. Oh my God. <laughs> and that was always my favorite wow. joke. So later in life, when I am a coach of my son, daughter, whoever's <laughs> basketball team, it's going to take every fiber in my being not to tell the team to say, okay, guys, let's say four on the count of three. <laughs> but if you are on an intramural sports team, everybody, you should use that. No, when I was in high school, my mascot was the Wildcat. So, oh, and when baby. I was in high school, High School Musical also, came out. <laughs> high School Musical came out. So all of us would always just do the what team, Wildcats, uh. what team, Wildcats, Wildcats, get your head in the game. We would all, I was on like the tennis team. I was on like varsity tennis and we would always do that like every single time because it was just like such a huge thing. We were also the same colors. It was very uh, weird. Uh, it was like the exact same as High School Musical. And High School Musical is very featured in yes, uh, the is. Harry Potter universe. 
So it makes me very happy. <laughs> it makes me very happy as well. I'm a huge High School Musical fan, and I am very glad that it gets a lot of love here. There is something later on in Act 2 that they get incredibly incorrect about High School Musical, but we'll save that for a future episode. Ho ho, cliffhanger to get everyone to listen. So Ron holding his broom then hugs Hermione, and then she leaves. There's a broom erection joke, which, sure, I guess. And then we have Harry versus Draco in the match itself going for the snitch. It turns into slow motion, which is very funny. This is, I think, a better landing joke of look how bad it is of the person who is the snitch, like dressed in all black, holding it, the slow-mo, people yelling in slow-mo. I thought this was very funny. Well, this like specific moment, you can see that this set is supposed to look like the cover of the first Harry Potter book. Definitely, definitely. And then like this moment when Harry like slow motion catches the snitch, it's like trying to recreate uh, like yeah. the cover. Yeah, right. It's the exact same thing. That's so funny. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, I get I now understand why they paused for so long when he caught it. Right. Yeah. It was like that. Because when he caught it, I thought, oh, he caught it. And then part of me thought, okay, he's held it for a couple seconds. <laughs> I feel like there's a joke going over my head. And that was it. Thank you. Now I feel smart again. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so Lucius then enters. And what I love carries over from the first play is that he goes, Oh, who knew that the counter curse was just Angelify? <laughs> <laughs> Which is so good. Oh, my it goodness. Is. So Drago enters, and he says that he had a good time, and he had fun, and he thought he would have caught the snitch if Yaxley didn't get in the way, and Lucius is absolutely furious, and to step the theatrics up even further, sticks both of his arms out horizontally, and then two Death Eaters grab him by the wrists and pick him up so he, like, flies over to Draco, <laughs> and the whole time he's saying, how dare you? Oh, so good. Gosh, it's so funny. Perfect. It's perfect. Lucius and Tyler Brunsman is just his theatrical, lovely portrayal. Because if you think about it, like Lucius in the movies is also like super dramatic and kind of ridiculous at times. So him just like amplifying that to 100 is the best. Yes, poking fun at Jason Isaac's portrayal of him is so great because I like that if you watch the movies, he just gets more theatrical as the movies go. Oh my god! He becomes more yeah. pompous and his hair gets more fabulous. So they really just continue to level it up as the movies go on. So I like that this play poked fun at that because it's one of my favorite things. Oh yeah, especially in like, I don't, like that second movie where he has that moment where it's like him and Harry are like talking to each other in Dumbledore's office oh, and then yeah. with the Dobby thing and he's like, ah! and, he, and he's like, Avada! and you're like, is he gonna kill him? Like yes. what is happening? It's wild. And then in the fourth movie, he's got the cane and he like smacks yes. Harry with his cane. Yes. <laughs> they re like stuff that was not in the book at all, but no. I don't know. You do you, Jason Isaacs. Well, and now we have another beautiful portrayal of beautiful, Lucius. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So Lucius then crumples Draco's drawing oh. and says, you're not my son. And I legitimately felt bad for Draco. That's what I mean. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be funny, but I felt actually sad. Yes. I feel I feel bad and sad for so many characters. 
actress in this musical. So dark. I'm just like, oh, no, Hermione. <laughs> so speaking that. of Hermione, the next scene is her with Ron and Harry. She's about to go home for Christmas, and she gives a gift to Ron and Harry, and they open it up, and they think it's a book, so they're super upset, and they toss it aside, but then it's revealed that it's a scrapbook with all of their memories from their first semester together at Hogwarts, which is really sweet. Yeah, it's cute, man. It's such like a classic kid present, too. It's so I great. It. It's so great. So one of these snippets is a clip from the Daily Prophet, and it's Sirius Black saying that he wants to drug and kill Harry Potter, which seems intense, but becomes a joke later on. So then Snape enters, yelling at the top of his lungs, Sirius Black, Sirius Black. And then he runs over to people playing wizard chess and he goes, oh, checkmate, Sirius Black. <laughs> so that moment, Joe actually improvised. The oh, good. Moment. That makes me yeah. so happy because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> oh, good. He'll like that. He'll like that. It was that. so good. <laughs> and I have talked about this in the podcast. I've really gotten into chess lately over the course of quarantine because it's a very good remote game that you can play with your friends. Ah. Because if you use a chess app or chess.com, you can take a turn and then it's somebody else's turn and then you don't have to actively be playing it because sometimes it's hard to organize and let's play an online Catan or let's play Jackbox or something. Right. But me and my buddy Johnny just constantly have back and forth chess matches going on. Wow. So I appreciate that there was a little chess joke in there for the nerd that I am. <gasps> Just for you. They wrote it just for me 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> yep, yep, Joe's that good. <laughs> One day there will be a boy who didn't read the Harry Potter books as a kid. He'll start a <laughs> podcast. Everyone will tell him to watch a Harry Potter musical. He'll watch the first one. He'll like act one. He'll be kind of mean in act two. People won't respond positively to the episodes about act two, but hopefully they are positive about the ones about the sequel because Tessa and him are a little bit nicer and handle the umbrage situation. Great. And I'm assuming he wrote this all on his Zanga page? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, Zanga. I totally had a Zanga. Did you? What was it about? I was oh. never in the Zanga. I did. I was one of the first people to have MySpace, which was very fun, but oh, I did MySpace never did never have Zanga. What was your Zanga page about? Oh my gosh. I feel like my Zanga page was just me like writing like inspirational dance quotes, mm. <laughs> like dance like no one's watching, like ridiculous, like oh, over okay. the top. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not, not cute. <laughs> Like absurd. And then I remember MySpace specifically. So there was this kid in my school in Pennsylvania. He like got famous on MySpace because he wrote this like MySpace parody to my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And it was like my MySpace brings all the boys to the page. And, the, and he wow. like wrote that. So he became like a mini celebrity in like our high school. And we're like, oh my God, he's so cool. MySpace <laughs> wild. I remember I used to show up in a lot of people's top eights on MySpace because the original- oh. Well, the original way it was coded was so that Tom would always be your number one friend. Right. They had it sorted by date in which you created your MySpace page. And my buddy Josh was really early on to MySpace. And one day he was like, you got to have a MySpace page. So then we made one. So then I was in a lot of people's <gasps> top eights just because my account was old. But then when you got to customize your top eight, I got removed from a lot of people's top eight. And let me tell you, not great for the seventh grade self-esteem. Oh. <laughs> Top eight was such a big thing. And also just like the coding. I remember I used to do all this coding to mm -hmm. make it look like so cool. We all knew HTML. Yeah, like what was that? <laughs> we had songs, we had moving backgrounds, yep. we had those quizzes where you answered questions about mm -hmm. yourself. So many things going on, so much creativity. And I remember that was such a big reason why I didn't join Facebook until it got to the point where no one was using MySpace anymore. Yeah. Because I thought, why would I do it? You can't customize anything. And right? I put it was so boring. much work into this HTML on my MySpace page. Exactly. God. Exactly. Top eight, what a terrible fucking feature. <laughs> <laughs>
What an <laughs> awful, awful feature for at least for my age as social media platform used mostly by middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yeah. Just letting people know publicly, these are the people that I like the most. It's awful. Oh my gosh, it was the worst. And your friends would get like mad. And if you like got in a fight with a friend, you would like remove them from your top. Yeah. It would be just like this whole thing. Yeah. I remember because first you could customize the order of your top eight mm -hmm. and then you could expand it. Right. To where you could have a top 16 or a top 24. Right. But then we get into this weird thing where if you were in someone's top 24, it didn't feel good because 24 is so big. Like, yeah, of course I was in Johnny yeah. Law's top 24. Like, that's not a big deal. But then it would get into a thing where the order of the top eight mattered. So I remember what I ended up doing because I didn't want to make people upset. I would just become MySpace friends with people that would make pages about like things that didn't exist. So I remember one of my MySpace friends was like oh. fictional serial mascots and wow. stuff. And I just made my entire top eight Smart. fake people because I didn't want to make my friends upset. That was brilliant. Oh my gosh, I wish I did that. I would have... <laughs> Had a lot easier you know, time. I mean, I, it was only because I got left out of people's top eights and I felt bad about it. I was like, I've learned something that makes me feel bad. I'm going to not do it to other people. My top eight is now Tony the Tiger, Captain Crunch, and Toucan Sam. I was also very into breakfast. I was like, wow, I'm like <laughs> starving. <laughs> now I want to have like some sort of intense breakfast. I love that. Today's episode brought to you by Eggo Waffles. Cookie Chris. Oh my God. <laughs> Shit, <laughs> I do. Oh, yes, I have a box. So I was buying stuff from Target.com recently. Target.com? <laughs> you know, the famous, mainly to specify that I was ordering a delivery online because that they have the amazing. whole- That was amazing. I just loved the phrasing of that. That was brilliant. Oh, no, I've been revealed. I'm 28. I'm becoming old. <laughs> On Target.com, you have to have- $35 for the shipping to be free. So I was buying some stuff and the total price was like $33.50. So I needed something. So I was just Googling stuff on Target and uh, I ordered a giant family size box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And I think it arrives today. I'm very excited. <gasps> Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm so excited for you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a big development for me when I get my Target.com delivery order. <laughs> 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 so anyway, Harry Potter. Oh. Snape, after screaming Sirius Black, Sirius Black, says that the paintings on the third floor spotted Sirius Black and then says that the dogs playing poker peed on the carpet and the screaming man looked even more terrified. It took the entire Last Supper for him to calm down. I love these art jokes. Yeah. I love it so much because the paintings at Hogwarts is always such a confusing thing. So I like the joke that just every famous painting is now canonically in Hogwarts. Well, because there's so many of them too. So and it's many. like, even when you're reading the books, it's hard to like keep track of which one is which like entrance. And then like Sir Cadigan just comes in here and you're like, what? Like, why is he <laughs> in here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I like the joke too. It was funny. It's very it solid. Good. So then Harry gets really mad and he wants to take on Sirius Black. He says, I'm going to throw everything I can at him. Lumos, Alohomora, Jelly Legs Jinx, everything. Which, ugh, very, very good. And then Hermione says, oh, are you think you're being a little too upset right now, Harry? That seems like a lot. And then he just screams, I'm in a rage, which is just a very good book five Harry joke to make. 
We all love to see it. It is my favorite Starkid joke of all time. Like that moment, I'm in a rage. This is the maddest I've ever been is my favorite, <laughs> favorite Starkid joke because it perfectly just depicts Harry's angsty moments. And I just love it. I say it all the time, all the time. <laughs> so then you have the squad using the Marauders map to try to find Sirius. They come across the mirror of the Erised and a song begins. And again, Darren Chris. Just a really good singer. Mm -hmm. Just really solid. It's just a nice sentimental song about looking for his parents. I got legitimate chills at some of the harmonies that come on later. Mm -hmm. Gosh, really solid. Yeah, it's a great song. And I just love what they did like with the mirror, like putting the actors so it like looks like the mirror and then you can see them in it. Yeah, it was really good. It's great. So then Sirius comes forward. He says, those are your parents, Harry. Ron tries to step to him. He goes, take this, you bastard. Alohomora. <laughs> Does nothing, which is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's because they're kids, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, and it's so ridiculous, like, looking back at them, like, just trying, especially in the first book and first movie, them just trying to take on Voldemort by themselves. And, like, this really brings it out. Where it's like, they don't know anything. They don't nothing. know any magic at all. <laughs> Like, what are they going to do? I also noticed, and maybe this is just because I don't use this particular curse word a lot, but it seems like the Starkid writers love to use the word bastard. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if that is seeped into things beyond the Harry Potter trilogy, but it was a lot of the use of bastard, which I've never been particularly fond of. I feel like they just like sometimes when, during musicals, they'll pick a specific word and then just sort of keep using it over and okay. over. So I feel like bastard was the one that just kind of stuck for this one. I get it. I say basically a lot, so much so that I edited out of a lot of Potter lists. <laughs> yeah, everyone <laughs> has. I Everyone has one. I have that a lot where I'll be editing an episode of Potter. It's like, why are you saying this word so much? What are you doing? <laughs> Shout out to editing. Otherwise, so many people would hate me more than they do. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's necessary. You need it. And it's the worst because when you're like listening back to yourself, you're just like, oh God, just stop. Stop mm -hmm. talking. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's one of the things that has helped me most in life is that when I first started doing episodes of Podgerless, I said like and um mm. so mm -hmm. much. And the yeah. fact that I edit myself, I'm so much more self-conscious of it. Yeah. And I've gotten to the point where I really try to stop saying it and know the power of pauses and not saying um. They achieve the same thing, but you sound so much smarter. So I think it's been really helpful in just the way that I talk because I was like a valley girl, man. I said like so much. It was bad. I still say it a lot. It's bad. Mm -hmm, oh, mm -hmm. man. So then... Hermione hits him with jelly legs jinx and Sirius immediately uses ungelify and Hermione goes, Harry, he's too much for us. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So then Sirius explains himself and the situation. He joins in in the song and the harmonies between him and Darren Chris, I am not exaggerating, gave me goosebumps as I watched this. It was yeah. very well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Sirius Black is played by Nick Strauss, and he just is such a wonderful human. So it's just so nice to see him like in the Potter musicals because he wasn't in the first one. No, he wasn't. Think. No, I, at least he didn't look familiar. He was in Me and My Dick, but he wasn't in uh, the first Potter. Got it, got musical. it. So Sirius goes on to further clarify that he did not say that he wanted to drug and kill Harry. He wanted to hug and kiss Harry and was misquoted by Rita Skeeter, which is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sirius says he used the invisibility cloak to escape. And he goes, oh, we used to use it to play pranks on Snape. We also solve mysteries and shit, but the pranks. 
funny to think about too, because like we just see Harry, Ron, and Hermione using the invisibility cloak, but then you remember that, oh my God, this was James's. And like the Marauders were so absurd and so like mean at times. And such like, bullies. What would they have done with an invisibility cloak? Are you kidding me? They would have gone like, into the girls' locker room. Yeah, <laughs> just the worst stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, then Harry puts it on. And he says, Ron, am I invisible? And Ron goes, who said that? And then Harry, still wearing the cloak, turns over to Sirius and says, I don't really think I'm in danger. And then very angrily, Sirius goes, who said that? It's so good. Yep, brilliant. So then Snape enters and you have a bit of a Snape versus Sirius moment. Sirius also gives Snape the butt trumpet insult like Lupin gave earlier. Lots of Noises, always a good time. Then Hermione says that she wishes Dumbledore was here. And of course, Dumbledore enters and he says, I am here, Night Troll. So Dumbledore and Umbridge enter. Umbridge then gives a kiss ultimatum of you can either kiss me or you can kiss a Dementor. Dumbledore then says that he's going to choose neither, runs over to Snape, says that it's time to test your loyalty. He disapparates, and when he disapparates, everyone goes, oh, magic, which I absolutely love. And now Umbridge has established herself as the headmaster. At first, they thought it was going to be Snape. Uh, but she reveals that it's actually going to be her. And that's the end of Act One. And that's also the yeah. end of this episode of Potter. Yeah. And another thing that I love that they uh, say, he goes, uh, that's bullshit, Snape. You can't disapparate inside of Hogwarts. And then he goes, yeah. And then like everyone goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's it's just, great. Yeah, I love that joke. It's just. It's very I fun. And yeah, we're at the end of Act One. We are. How do you feel we just overall it. Act One of a very Potter sequel? How are you feeling? I like Act One better than Act Two because Act Two gets a lot darker and gets a lot cringier and gets a lot. Um, again, it's just too much for me. I personally actually like the first musical better than the second musical. Okay. Just because it's lighter and it's more just kind of like fun. The songs are more ridiculous. It's not as like taking itself as seriously. So for me, that's just like more fun. But this, a lot of people love more. And I, I get why, because it's more put together. The songs are better. It's it's more of a production. It's less of like, oh, it's just friends getting together. And like, you know, so it's like, I totally understand why people like this one. It's just that the humor is not my type of humor. Yeah, it's definitely darker. Yeah, but it's still great. Yes. And I, I love these musicals so Yeah, much. I really enjoyed Act 1. I agree. I think I enjoyed Act 1 more than Act 2. I think that maybe comparing this one to the previous one, I think the production quality is probably a big reason why people enjoy this one a little bit better. Yeah. It's definitely more put together. I feel like the highs are higher in this one, but the lows are lower. Right. I feel like I laughed harder at certain parts, but I was much more put off by the Umbridge thing than anything in the first one. Mm-hmm. Even though there are some stuff that doesn't sit well, I feel like the Umbridge stuff was just really particularly gross. So I, I can see why people would have differing opinions about the first and the second. But overall, like I still do enjoy it. I think much like I talked about with Hannah in the final discussion we had about act two of a very Potter musical. I think that it's not necessarily something I 
think I'm going to be finding myself rewatching at least in its entirety, especially because it does have those gross elements. But I think what could have made it survive and what people like is you go back and you just listen to this one song or you go back and you watch just this one part. I mean, it's also just so long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really long. It's super long. That's why this is going to be four episodes to discuss yeah. <laughs> one play, which I guess makes sense, but I, you don't think of a YouTube thing. It's hard to disassociate this as a YouTube video when it's a three-hour production. Right. They're still really the only theater company that's done this, that's put these like original full-length musicals like online. It was groundbreaking at the time, and it still is today. It's actually amazing that they do that and still do that. Yeah, and even though it is long, I, I don't think that it necessarily drags. I think this one, the sequel, has a really good job of keeping up the momentum. It is just a lot. There's a lot yeah. of scenes. I don't think that it draws on, but it is, you have to dedicate yourself to watching it. That's for sure. Oh yeah. I definitely just like listen to the soundtrack more. Like I, more than just rewatching the entire thing just because it's so long, but there are specific moments that I like that I'll watch because a lot of the Starkid fans have created like compilations oh, or like you love to see of it. character, you know, their favorite characters, their favorite moments. So it's like, I love watching that kind of stuff anyway. So it's like, oh yeah. I'll watch this. And then I love listening to the music. And it's really cool when Starkid um, gets together for their performances. A lot of times they'll just sort of like, you know, go through the greatest hits of all their songs and they'll do the best songs in the best moments. And that's that's all you want to see. So it's great. That's very good. Yeah, I'm just going to quick bookmark uh, Draco flopping around on the ground compilation. Okay, yes. save that and for you later. must And you must uh, watch Potion Master's Corner. Like, oh, I'm I telling have to. you. I'm, you have for to. For sure. I, that'll probably end up being episodes of Potterless. It sounds so funny. It's so great. I'm it's very so fun. And it's also funny because Joe, like, interviews Darren, and this was, like, way before, like, you know, Darren, like, blew up and was on Glee and then had this whole entire career and now has an Emmy, and Joe, like, literally asks him, it's like, so, uh, have you thought about acting? <laughs> 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 it's just brilliant. Uh, so I would so good. very much, you should check that out. I definitely will, definitely will. Well, Tessa, thank you so much for joining on. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they do so? Oh, yes. Well, you can find me on the internets, on the YouTubes. Uh, I make Harry Potter videos at youtube.com slash Tessa Netting. I also post a lot of Potter stuff on Instagram at Tessa Netting. And I have a nerdy podcast with my best friend, Brizzy Voices, called Fantastic Geeks, where it's very Potter-related. We do a lot of sorting and trailer breakdowns and fun games games and stuff. And I also play Hazel on the Disney Channel TV show Bunked. So you might rec recognize me from there as well. I'm the mean one with pigtails. <laughs> so that's, I feel like that's a good uh, Twitter bio, the mean one with pigtails. <laughs> I am. It's so fun to play a villain, though. It's so fun. But these little kids like come up to me and they think that I'm like evil. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to burn your camp down. <laughs> <laughs> I do get it. When I met the people that portrayed bad guys in Harry Potter at Leaky Cons, like when I met Scarlet Byrne, who plays Pansy, mm -hmm. I was put off by how nice she was. Right. And then I remembered, oh, right. Just because she played Pansy Parkinson doesn't mean that she's a mean person. <laughs> well, you forget sometimes because you just associate totally. their face. And it's especially little kids. So I get it. I totally yeah. get it. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. That's uh, super fun. No, playing a villain is great. I, uh, I've i done it once for an audio drama thing, and it was <gasps> very fun. Fun. It was very fun. Especially because in it, I started as like, you think I'm a good guy, and the reveal is that I'm evil? Oh, it's oh, so yes. fun. It's so satisfying. Oh, I love a good evil reveal. <laughs> the best. Uh, well, Tessa, thank you so much for joining. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say, in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, before they remember that the counter curse is on Jellify, wizard, wizard on! on!
Hey, did you know the Potterless merch store has been restocked? Did you know that Horse and Spirits and Join the Party all have new items up in their merch stores? Well, now you do. If you go to multitude.production slash merch, you can check out all of the Multitude merch. The Potterless digital bundles are there. There are horse wallpapers and ringtones. JTP has a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Spirits has a coloring book and pins. So many wonderful things all at multitude.production slash merch. Potterless is created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klauser, Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadanera, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krause, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orca Grower, Vivian, the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moser, Alex Consilver, John Kotker, Noel Basile, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Frida, J. Svensson, Summer Rathel, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addy, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir TL, Sarah Shedder, Morta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya, Flor Sake, Series Scars for Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskov, Chova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Zapeda, Courtney Marie Grieger, Ashen Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Fail on the Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tu, Jarls Fiven, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Dowd, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa Rob, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's mom, T-Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Ninfedora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsaker, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie Dugrave, David Douglas, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rikay Mango Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobbs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Laurel Happy, Rossanne Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natani Page, Yogan Chanley, Darcy Alexandra Harrison, Richard Johnson, Sandra Rose, Kremick Roberts, Andren Kaufman, K.A. Rob, Steve Trelor, Lior Nahum, Angela Hill, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Kelsey Wellis, Michael Beck, Calista Delano, she who doesn't have to be named, L. Kringle, Love Cash Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jerrica Law, Michelle Spurgeon, Casey Canales, Megan Stempin, Let's Hit a Thousand Patrons, Serenity, Alan Jacks, G, Sophia Lyons, Sot, Matthew Babbitt, Dane Nemcher, Rochelle Unitmaz, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parr, Mermaid and her Daddykins, Aaron Uggs, Not My Daughter, You Biatch, Ilaria Vicentin, Liam Simmons, Lori, Gregory Hughes, Krista Lee, Holly Moran, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash potterless, twitter.com slash potterless pod, instagram.com slash potterless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash potterless. For any and all information about the show, as well as transcripts, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com for bonus content. You can go to patreon.com slash potterless, and for merch, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly or you leave a rating and review online, those both really do help, and I would appreciate them. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.